Yeah. I mean, there's a door. It's not the best. Okay, all right, that looks a little better. Maybe? Problem is that I need to have this in. Oh gosh, oh, there's no card. Wow. Okay. Wait, let's just double check. Hello. That is me. I'm trying not to do it with, uh, with headphones on because this, shocking as it may be for you to discover, is in fact this week's episode of Rage Chalk. I know what you're thinking. Where is the background? Where is the setup? Where's Jack? Not here. Uh, Jack is on the road. He is coming back from a trip and that meant that in order to do a Rage Talk this week, your girl had to fly solo, which is why we're here and why it looks like this and why I've spent 15 minutes trying to figure out how to get the right lighting. And I don't know if Jack's going to be happy with what I've come up with, but this is what it is. And I did move the chair in order to accommodate. And I will tell you, I definitely like pulled my shoulder out. And I can't help it. Oh my, it's just, sorry. This is like the least fun. You know what it makes me think of? Do y'all remember that song for the 90s? Um, I think it was Tim McGraw. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Remember, he's like, I throwed out my shoulder, but I want her that teddy bear. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. And you're welcome for my singing voice. We're at home today, guys. Rich Talk is here at home in my office. And um, the production list is written on this orange post-it for us to talk about today. I just, I am having like a back moment. I definitely did something to my back. And I'm sorry that you have to be witness to me trying to figure out what I've done to my back, but the pillow helped. Thank you for your patience. Oh, let's begin with, I recently went on a trip from Austin, Texas to Boise, Idaho, and I think that when you live in Austin, where it is currently overcast and cloudy but also 90 degrees you get confused about what springtime is in any other part of the country so in texas or at least the part of texas that i live in it goes winter 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 spring immediately summer so it's like months of winter two solid weeks of a gorgeous springtime and then immediately it's 100 degrees. And I'm not exaggerating. It is mid-April right now and it's 90 outside. So I stupidly get locked into the idea that the rest of the country or perhaps the rest of the world is operating under the same situation. And like I've forgotten how to travel. It's been so long because of COVID. I've definitely taken some trips, but I used to travel all the time and I felt like really good at it. And now I've just forgotten all the rules. I've forgotten to tra to check travel before I go. I've forgotten how long it takes to get to the airport. I've forgotten it all. I've got a, it, there's two planes that I gotta take to get there because it's all the way up top here in the US. And 
I'm telling you, it was in the 90s in Texas, and I land in Boise, Idaho, and it is snowing. Not cold, not a crispy spring day, snowing. And I didn't have a jacket. I was, I mean, I was dressed like a total jacket. I was wearing a Texas tuxedo. I had denim on top. I had denim on bottom. I looked cute. Nothing, nothing warm. Wow, Rachel, get it together. I land and it's snowing and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be funny. Okay. And if you don't know this about me, I am always cold, always. So now I'm like, well, I, this is where I freeze to death in the middle of Idaho. And um, I just felt like such a dummy. Like I showed up at this conference that I was speaking at and, you know, everyone else is wearing like full on jackets and it's winter time. And I'm the jack who just came from the airport with no coat, with nothing. And I had all these plans. So the last time I was in Idaho, I went on a run. It was gorgeous and nature and the whole thing. And so I thought I was going to be able to do that again. And I brought my running gear. I, no, I did not go outside. I did not go anywhere. I did my speech. Shout out to that crew. They were great. Did my speech, went back to the hotel, got in bed and watched The Gilded Age and went to sleep, woke up the next day and and flew out. Speaking of... Have you guys watched The Gilded Age? I will say at first glance, I was like, I'm going to love this, right? So it's um, Julian Fellows who did Downton Abbey. And I am a sucker for any sort of historical fiction. Let's figure it out. I watched like 10 minutes and didn't love. So this was, you know, when it first came out, I was kind of like, eh, I'm a little bored. I don't really get whatever. And then recently... Don't laugh at me, but for the very first time ever, I downloaded shows to watch on an airplane. Like, I know I'm a thousand years old, but I didn't, I never really knew how to do that. Welcome to the and so um, I downloaded shows and I was like, oh, I'm going to give this show another chance. So I downloaded all of the episodes and it is so good. I'm curious if you guys have watched it too. I really, really liked it. And I liked it because it's about sort of the Victorian age here in America, which was, if you're not, if you don't read historical romance, like I have read a thousand historical romance novels, you may not know that there was a period of time in American history, and honestly, in uh, English history as well, where we sort of had this old money versus new money thing that was happening. So you had these people who had been in power forever. They had come over, you know, their their ancestors had come from England and they, you know, built New York City and they were the titans of industry and they had all of this old money. And then you had these kind of up and comers, right? So names you'll know, like you had like the Rockefellers or I'm spacing on the other people, but they had all of this money, but they were new money. And it's sort of like old money versus new money. And the old wealthy people didn't want to let the new people into society. And so there was like drama. So basically, the premise of the show is like old money New York versus new people. So there's a family that's like made their way up and they're trying to break into society. And it's a whole thing. And I loved it. And one of the best reasons to love it is Christine Baranski. 
girl. So if you like Downton Abbey and if you like the Dowager Countess, Christine Baranski is this show's version of the Dowager Countess. Like being sassy, saying hilarious things. I'm very grateful. So you should be. At first you think she's going to be like too conservative and you're going to hate her, but Julian Fellows does such a good job of like giving you the sort of fullness of a character so that even though they're being a jerk, you end up kind of loving them. So all of that to say, um, big fan, watch the whole darn thing, watch the whole season. And I think you'll like it if you like historical things. So that's what is happening in terms of what I've viewed lately. Also, since we're talking about Idaho, since we're talking about being on planes, since we're talking about travel, there's no more masks on planes, guys. I um, was flying home from Nashville yesterday and I was with my boyfriend and we were waiting to get on the plane and all of a sudden he looked at me and he was like, wait, is there no mask mandate? It hadn't even occurred to us that half the people in the airport were not wearing masks. So I don't know if you've traveled at all during this time period, but ha I've been traveling kind of throughout COVID. So I've been wearing a mask on a plane the whole time. It is what it is. I don't like it, but... I mean, it is what it is. Like, these are the rules and I'm following the rules. So for like 18 months or however long it's been, I've been like, dang, I cannot wait until we don't have to wear masks on planes. Masks on planes, masks in the airport, da, 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 da. Half the people around me are not wearing a mask, but I mean, that's a whole other psychological thing that we need to deal with. Like, why didn't I notice that nobody was wearing a mask? Like, why is it more normal to me to see people in masks, but whatever. We're both like, oh my gosh, we don't have to wear a mask on the plane. And we've been waiting for this moment forever. But y'all, we wore a mask on the plane still. Because I wasn't like neither. We both looked at each other. and was like, we're not emotionally prepared for this. We just like, because it was unexpected or just like so stupid, I know. But I, we were like, no, we're just going to, maybe it was like one final flight. But because we weren't prepared, we're like, we're not. We're going to just go ahead and wear these masks. So um I hate wearing a mask on a plane because I can't wear, I could, but I don't wear any makeup if the mask is involved. And there's something nice, like I don't tend to wear a lot of makeup in life, but I do like, you know, I like a little bit of cover up, right? A little, a little like a tinted moisturizer. But if you're going to have to have a mask on and it's like so bad for your skin and so bad for your pores, I don't do it. So I'm pretty pumped that like my face gets to be free again. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I was, I was really excited. Also, I got to stop saying also. Jack has to edit out so many also's every single week. But you know what? You're not here, Jack. If you were here, then you could be guiding me in this. But it's kind of like you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. You're going to have to edit this one. And it's, it's going to have a lot of like, so and also. You guys, have you seen Sing 2? Now, for what it's worth, I know that this movie came out maybe around Christmas time or something, but I didn't watch it then. And I didn't watch it then because I've sort of barely seen Sing One. I have children who've watched Sing. I've just, I don't know. Like, I think I watched it a little bit, but I wasn't like dying. I don't know. I need to give Sing another chance because Sing Two is so wonderful 
we watched it the other night, the kids and I, and I, where do I even be? The storyline, the, if you have seen it, the lion, the moment at the end where like the, I don't even want to tell you because I don't want to spoiler alert to it, but like the ghost of his wife and she's walking. Oh my word. It's so well done. I loved it. I cried. I laughed. Oh my word. I laughed so hard. And then later, because I'm a loser, I looked up like I wanted to know all the celebrities that those um, characters, the little creatures are, the animals, because you know when you're like, I know this person's voice, but I don't know who this is. So I was looking through who all the creatures were, and I thought it was so funny because the old lady lizard, again, this is only making sense for those of you who have seen the Sing movies, the old lady lizard is voiced by a dude. And I thought that was so amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Because there's that guy who does all the Disney movies. This is a random fact, but there's this one guy who does all the Disney movies that you would be shocked at how many voices this one guy does. Like he's like the chicken in Moana. Like they call this guy for everything. And if it's sort of like an inanimate object or like a, a character that doesn't have words, like this is the guy they call. So I saw that this dude was doing the voice of this old lizard lady, and I thought, well, that's hilarious. And then at the end, I realized that he was the writer and director, and now I'm like, I gotta look up him and his work, because I'm just like, did you write this movie and then could have given yourself any part, but you gave yourself the most iconic part, let's be honest, but you gave yourself this like secretary old lizard, like, I don't know who you are, sir, but I salute you. Your destination is on the right. On the right. Okay. Speaking of salutes, oh, I just got way too excited. Did you guys see that there's new emojis? I haven't really looked. You know what? Let's look through them all. Thank you for asking. One moment. Also, I'm definitely not wearing a bra, so I'm trying really hard to like not show that on the video. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Uh, I did the new iPhone update, and then I was in my hotel in Nashville, and there was this thing, like I was, I was trying to connect to the speaker in the room. I was playing music. I was trying to connect to the speaker in the room. And when I, there was this thing that said like, so-and-so is also listening. And I was like, what's that mean? And I tapped it. And then all of a sudden it was like, you're on Bluetooth. Oh, I wish I could remember her name. Her name was like Carol, Carol Baskin. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol at Big Cat Rescue. It wasn't Carol Baskin, but can you imagine? It was like Carol Carrillo is also, so like I accidentally tapped into someone else's Bluetooth speaker in the hotel. And then all of a sudden she was listening to my playlist. And if you looked on Bluetooth, it said like Rachel Hollis and Carol Carrillo are sharing a Bluetooth speaker. And I could not figure out how to shut it off. And thank goodness what I was listening to was like Jack Johnson radio and not like Cardi B radio. Because can you imagine? She's like, what's happening to my speaker? And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, this chick, who's Rachel Hollis over here telling me to drop it like it's hot. Okay, so there's new emojis I noticed. First of all, wait, did they redo? 
Hold on, hold on. This is, Jack, don't even edit. This is very important, okay. So one of my favorites to use is the one that is like the little sad, like this is one of my favorites to use. Can you see that? Oh, bless. Oh, and there's the ring light. But now there's one where it's like that, but he's like kind of happy. Oh, sorry, Jack. I mean, maybe you just show them what I actually am showing you instead of this crap editing. Okay, so there's that guy. He's so cute. And some of you tell me, because maybe I'm just like the oldest woman in the world and I think these are new, but I've never seen them. So I see one that's like this, like a salute, which I've never seen before. And I'm ready for that. Like when someone does something stupid or like, yes, sir. This one I love. Okay, can you see? He's like looking through his fingers. Oh, I need to, in case you're listening to this on podcasts, it's the one that's like looking through his fingers like this. And I do love that. Some people would use that for I'm scared, but I'm definitely gonna use that for like I'm in a cave, which is when something is so embarrassing, like when you're watching a, a one, like a video or something and something's so you're so mortified for the person that you have to go into a cave, that's gonna be my emoji for that. Oh, look at this one. This is one where like I got, it's like the, it's melting kind of like a sunset, the faces. I don't know what that one's gonna be for. If you're having nacho cheese, that feels right. <laughs> You know, the old nacho cheese emoji. Or if you're melting, maybe you're tired. Maybe you had a little too much wine. That could be one. Okay, there's this one, which is basically just the outline of a face. Oh, bless. One of my favorites is the upside down smiley face. It really just covers a lot of bases. You know what I mean? When you're just like, I don't even know. Upside down smiley face. Oh, cute. <gasps> yes, there's like making a heart with little hands. Oh, can you see that? Oh, that's so cute. I love it. This just became the most interesting show in the world. Okay, there's, there's some like, oh, there's a lot of hand emojis now, guys. I love like how creative they get with like the families and the different kinds of couples. Want to make sure everyone's represented. I love that about the emoji people. <gasps> Is that a puffin? Is the puffin new? I love a puffin. You know what? When I was in fifth or sixth grade, I made a ceramic puffin. I, we could make anything we wanted for our moms for Mother's Day, and I made her a ceramic puffin. Did she like puffins? No, but I thought that they were adorable, and I wish we still had that. My mom probably threw that away. I would display that puffin with pride. Is the puffin new, y'all? Or has the puffin been here the whole time and I just didn't see him? Ew, gross, a mosquito. Has that been here? It's got a lot of legs. That looks like an American buffalo. That looks new. Flamingo, is that new? I like the feather. <gasps> a little sloth. This is why this show's nominated for 80, no, it's not nominated for anything actually. There's beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you, okay, we're done with emojis. There's more in there that I promise myself not you because you don't care i promise i'll go through at a later date oh wait okay i'm sorry i got so far off what else is new but i need to tell you about my favorite thing my favorite part of watching sing two yes we're bringing it back around to sing two was that at the end with noah girl i'm already emotional the end's so sweet but the song at the end is you two I still haven't found what I'm looking for. She saw it in the theater, but this is the second time Noah has seen, seen, seen two. 
So it's not like, oh, I've seen this movie a thousand times. She's singing the song, like her whole heart. And I did get video footage. So I was like, I have, I knew I was going to talk about it to you guys. So like the first time we watched it, I didn't get very good footage. Noah, it's Pono. And then the next morning she wanted to watch it again. And you know how it is with those 48 hour rentals. Thank you, Amazon Prime. We only have 48 hours. So you let your kid watch it over and over and over. So she watched it the next morning and I did sneak in like, like you, I'm literally like below the couch, like put my phone up for a minute and put it back down because I didn't want her to know that I was taping her. But I got to tell you, like things that make me proud of myself as a parent, number one, that my kids are kind. Number two, that my kids are funny. And number three, that my five-year-old knows you too. Like that I could play Fleetwood Mac, I could pay, play Tom Petty, I could play, um, just name it, like the old music and they know it. And I'm really proud of that. Yes, they listen to pop music. Yes, they probably know songs that would, you know, make my hair fly back because it's hip hop or inappropriate or whatever. But the fact that all of my kids know that kind of music just makes me really happy. Like as a big music nerd, I just, I was like, Man, I might be messing up in a lot of ways, but my five-year-old knows you too, and it made me really proud. Oh, I have so many stories. I'm trying to decide which one to tell you guys. Okay. Okay, I'm going to save that one. Yeah, I'll save that one. But I am going to ask you, my friends, my fans, my family, to end a debate for me and in order for me to ask you to end this debate I have to go get something from the kitchen so please Jack now would be some time to play some elevator music while I go grab the item in question okay here's the question here's what I need you to solve what color is this cup what color is this cup please respond in the comments below if you are listening to this on podcast you might want to go find this episode on the youtube channel while you're there please subscribe if you're there now you're still here at this point please subscribe to the channel so you get a notification every single time we post an episode which is at least once a week what color is this cup I'm trying to show it to you from, I mean, as I'm showing it to you right now, there is literally no other color it can be. And the color that you see in your screen is the same color that I see, but I'm not going to say it because last night at dinner, my kids and my boo told me that this cup is a different color than what I see. I was like, this cup is orange. This cup is orange. And they're like, I'm trying to see if I could even get it. At, let me see if I could get a different a little light. So maybe if I change the color of the light. No, it's still orange. This cup is orange. This is an orange cup. Orange. Sorry. I've like a, Last night they were like, that's reddish pink. Guys, I'm trying to show any other way that this could possibly be a reddish pink. But this is orange. This is an orange cup. Got it from Target. I was thinking that maybe it would have the color on the bottom. It doesn't. It's an orange cup. There's no other, maybe if I put, no. 
I don't even think there can be a debate. But if for some reason this is like that dress that was like blue or gray or whatever, and some of you actually see a reddish pink cup like the rest of my family sees a reddish pink cup, will you solve this debate? It's orange. It's an orange cup. That's, I mean, this is the hard-hitting news. This is what's happening over at my place this week. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's going on in Rage Talk. I have been thinking a lot just to like have one little tiny moment of real talk with you. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of how important it is for us to change up our routines. So most human beings repeat the same routines every single day. If you can do something without thinking about it, that's a habit in your life, right? You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you go to the bathroom, you get ready for work, you put on your clothes, you drive to work or you drive to school or you take care of your babies or whatever your day looks like, but we do the same thing over and over and over. And there's beauty in that, right? Like when a habit is really good for us, there's beauty in us being able to repeat it. The issue is... If you're constantly doing the same things, I think it's very hard to be conscious of this present moment. And I'm sure you've heard it said a million times that we have power in our present, meaning the past has happened, the future is yet unknown, all we really have is this present moment. And if you don't ever step out of the regularly scheduled programming, then you don't really have to think. It's like if you've ever read Jim Quick and he's teaching you how to sort of make your brain as powerful as it can be, he talks about um, using your non-dominant hand to brush your teeth or using your non-dominant hand to write, to just do something that makes your brain confused, that makes your brain stop and question how you're doing what you're doing because when you do that, you have to be present. It is impossible, try it tomorrow. It is impossible to brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand and not really think about what you're doing. So if you're going to dinner with your girlfriends, if you're going on a date night, if you're gonna go get coffee, Challenge yourself to try something new. Take a different route to work. It's a really simple way to be present in this moment, to see new things or think new things. I'm learning to play guitar right now. I'm writing songs. I'm going out to Nashville and I'm writing songs with musicians out there. And it's not to like have some big career or make a big change in my life. It's because... I think there's something really powerful about challenging my brain and you challenging your brain to do something new. It's impossible to learn something new without being pulled into this present moment. And when we're in our present moment, like truly in this moment here, we don't feel anxiety. We don't feel fear. We can't. Because if you're, con- if you're learning guitar or piano or a new language, it takes all of your thought process to focus on that one thing. So if you're feeling like you're in a rut, what's something you can do today that's different than what you normally do? Literally take a different route to get into the office building or maybe you don't take the kids straight home after school. Maybe you go to the park. You just change it up a little bit. There's incredible power for you in trying something different and new. And I hope that that is helpful to you as you go about your week. And I hope if you've managed to make it to the end of this episode, you would subscribe to the show, whether that's on YouTube or over on podcasts. It's really helpful to any of the 
people whose content you consume if you subscribe to our channels. And I'd really appreciate it if you did it with mine. If there was something you thought was funny or helpful, take a screenshot, throw it up on social or send it to a friend. And until I see you again, or until Jack's back and we have a real episode of Rage Talk, I want you to know that I love you and I'm rooting for you. Hey guys, it's Rachel Hollis, and this is a quick word on money. Let's talk about money. I'm doing this as a 10-minute episode because I feel like I just want to give you a little food for thought on this Monday or whatever day you're consuming this content. I grew up not understanding how much my relationship to money would affect my ability to make it and would affect my ability to manage it. And I want to just put this out there for any of you who might find yourself in a similar situation. I grew up without money. I grew up listening to my parents fight constantly about the lack of money. I grew up watching my family members, you know, work to get that paycheck. And then the paycheck was gone as soon as it showed up. I learned the idea of, oh, I'm going to treat myself to something that I probably can't afford while I have money and leaving no money behind to pay bills. So I really grew up watching some pretty harsh relationships with finances and not understanding that there was any other way to be. And as I became an adult, as I became an entrepreneur, I really can see now how my early relationship with money affected my belief system about it. In fact, I love asking people this question. Like, if I tell you, you know, if I gave you a million dollars, if I could wave a magic wand and then all of a sudden you would have a million dollars, what would you do with it? And what would that mean to you? And people will describe all of these things. They'll say, well, it's, you know, it would be freedom and it would be fun and it would be me taking care of my family and I'd pay off my debt and I'd go on a lavish vacation or I'd buy a nice car or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever money means to you, right? So they'll talk about all of the things it would mean for them if they were able to have that kind of wealth show up. But then you flip it around and you go, okay, well, tell me what your family taught you about money. When you think back to your family of origin, the people that raised you, the people that were around you, what did they say about money? And then you hear some more truth come out. You hear money is the root of all evil. You hear money doesn't grow on trees. You hear, well, there was never enough money. Or, you know, I was taught that if people were rich, then they must be evil because the only way to make wealth was to do it in an evil way. Or, all of these things, when you ask people to tell you the stories that they grew up believing about money, you uncover some really negative thoughts about what finances mean. And it's impossible, unless you're conscious of it, it's impossible to separate yourself from those childhood belief systems when it comes to money. So if you can think of like, okay, what did your parents, and maybe you had parents who had a great relationship and attitude about money, but most of us didn't. And if you can think about your own family 
and what they taught you and then see the parallels in your current financial situation to what you grew up believing and what you now experience, they are usually directly in line with each other unless you've done the work to get past this. So I was on a call today. There's a nonprofit organization that I'm really excited about, and I think they're doing great work. And I had a call with their director, and my background is in event planning. And as an event planner, I planned, oh my word, so many nonprofit fundraisers back in the day. I'm really good at fundraising, especially for organizations I believe in. And I was talking to this director and I was asking her questions and, okay, tell me about this and tell me about that and tell me about your fundraising. And she was talking about fundraising in a way that I was like, oh, dang, if I don't do anything else for this organization, I have got to change the mindset that this woman approaches fundraising with. I was like, oh, dude, there is so much money out there. There's so much money out there, so many very, 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 very wealthy people and organizations who set aside a certain amount of money to donate to nonprofits every year. You have an incredibly worthy nonprofit. And the only reason you don't have access to all of that money that's out there is just they don't know about you yet. That's it. Because that shifts her whole perception. If she's going into this fundraising round thinking like, oh man, people aren't donating like they used to and there's really not money for the arts. People don't want to give money to the arts and people don't want to donate for causes that are about women and girls. And if she has that mindset already, she is fully limiting the potential for her organization. Whatever you believe is true. If you believe that so many people are ready and willing and want to help and have hearts for this and have the finances to support it, and the only thing is they might not know about me yet, that is empowering. That gives you direction. That says, okay, well, I got to get my message out. I have to make contacts. I've got to get the word out about the work that we're doing, and then this money is going to be available to me. The flip side is like there's not enough money. There's not enough money and nobody knows about it. Which one of those is more powerful? When in doubt, y'all, go always with the mindset that is more empowering to you. Even if it's hard for you to believe that it's true at first, practice the mindset that you want to have. The same thing is true for entrepreneurs. The same thing is true for you as you're considering asking for a promotion this year. Whatever you believe is real. You give energy to it. So when it comes to money, if you're an entrepreneur and you think money doesn't grow on trees, holy crap, how do you think you're going to find customers? If you think, you know what, I own this great bakery in my town and there are people every single day who are spending money on birthday cakes for their kids and that is my specialty and the only reason that they haven't spent their money with me is they don't know how great it is yet. One of those beliefs is very empowering. The other, like, oh, nobody in my town has money. Nobody in my town likes cake, (laughs) right? I am not like trying to get you to reinvent the wheel. I am trying to get you to understand that the belief system you have about something absolutely is the indicator of your relationship with it. If you have a scarcity mindset about money, if you have a scarcity mindset about finances and wealth, if you think there's not enough, If you think, oh man, 
I better like blow through this as fast as I can before there's not enough money for me to treat myself. You are perpetuating, number one, you're handling your finances abominably. You're not taking care of yourself. You're sacrificing the future version of you for your current version's comfort. You're sacrificing your future life so that the current version of you can like have a nice pair of shoes or go out to dinner with their friends or buy drinks for everybody. And you're doing it because you have a scarcity mindset because you think the money's going to run out. The thing is, it's all there and it's all available to you, but your belief system when it comes to money will absolutely affect how you treat it. And how you treat it will be an indication of whether or not you're able to acquire more or whether or not you're able to hold on to the money that you actually have. So there's all sorts of information out there about your particular industry, your business, your own personal ways to acquire wealth or to make more money or to save more money. That's not what I want to talk to you about today. All I want to do in this quick episode is ask you to think about what is your relationship with money and how is it influenced by your family of origin? Because if you can connect those dots, whew, it'll blow your mind and hopefully give you some better ideas for how to approach wealth in the future. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.